0: This is day 135, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, Mark 15 and 16 and Psalm 22. Mark 15. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, Aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. "'Do you want me to release to you "'the king of the Jews?' asked Pilate. "'Knowing it was out of self-interest "'the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him, "'but the chief priest stirred up the crowd "'to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. "'What shall I do then "'with the one you call the king of the Jews?' "'Pilate asked them. "'Crucify him,' they shouted. "'Why? "'What crime has he committed?' asked Pilate. "'But they shouted all the louder, "'Crucify him!' "'Wanting to satisfy the crowd,' Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is, the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews. Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine and mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself." In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Aloy, Aloy, lama sabakthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger and of Joseph, and Salami. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come with him to Jerusalem were also there. It was preparation day. That is the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea... A prominent member of the council who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen clothes, took down the body, and wrapped it in the linen and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salami bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they reached up, they saw that the stone was very large and had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you in Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. The early manuscripts and some other ancient witnesses do not have verses 9 through 20. Verse 9. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in New tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. "'But I am a worm and not a man, "'scorned by everyone, despised by the people. "'All who see me mock me. "'They hurl insults, shaking their heads. "'He trusts in the Lord,' they said. "'Let the Lord rescue him. "'Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. "'Yet you brought me out of the womb. "'You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. "'From birth I was cast on you. "'From my mother's womb you have been my God.' Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am pouring out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a pot's herd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life, from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people and the assembly. I will praise you. You will fear the Lord. Praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteous, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. Okay, so this marks the end of the gospel according to Mark. Marty Solomon paints a context. Rome was built on seven hills, and the tallest hill had the temples to Caesar, Zeus. It was the capital hill, the tallest hill. Marty Solomon describes in great detail nine steps of coronation of a king or an emperor. And that time and how Mark's account of what happened to Jesus in his crucifixion follows these nine steps in a way that intends to mock. But nonetheless, Jesus has fulfilled the rescue mission to redeem us in a spirit of shalom, which is the opposite of empire. Mark tells this story as this is Jesus' most victorious moment. Remember, Mark's audience is the Roman Gentiles exclusively, and telling the story in this way grabs their attention, that victory is achieved through shalom, not empire. Marty Solomon points out how a Roman centurion is the first to acknowledge that Jesus is the son of God in his account. Also note the weird footnote at the end of Mark 16, the end of the book, that seems to end this story so abruptly. Our earliest manuscripts end with the woman trembling and going away afraid and not reporting anything. Verse 9 through 20 are not in the original version, but we are added later. Whatever was added was not from Mark. Mark. Marty Solomon says ending at verse 8 makes sense because the Romans would have felt like the women if what they had just learned from Mark's theology was true. They would be trembling and bewildered because they come from a theology of empire. Marty says Mark ended it open and challenging this way to leave the question hanging. Are the Romans going to believe in Nero's empire or Jesus' kingdom of Shalom? Mark spent the whole gospel account confronting and challenging the Roman Gentiles' worldview. The biblical scholar Mark Strauss thinks similarly. This gospel account leaves the reader asking, "'Will we respond with faith or fear?' We're gonna read a couple more Gospels and we'll make some further comparisons in the account of the crucifixion. But the Gospel According to Mark is pretty interesting, right? Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, for the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Galatians 5, 22-24. See you tomorrow.